This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. It's the one and only Ryan Mitchell, a.k.a. the Slag How's it going, Ryan? Hi, welcome back for me. I know. How does it feel? How was MTV VMAs, the red carpet, the... Fashion, the music, the stars. <laughs> oh God, everything. The trip was incredible. Actually, I had a wonderful time. It was busy. It was work, um, but it was great. The VMAs were popping this year, um, and I got all the behind-the-scenes tea. I was back there. I was backstage at the Prudential Center in Newark, New Jersey. I got to walk Sexy. the carpet yeah. uh, of the VMAs, which was iconic. Just because, I mean, as a little kid watching the VMAs grow up, never ever in my entire life would I've thought, oh, you'll be on that carpet one day, like, in 2022. Like, who thinks of something like that? And so it was just a a chilling moment, a lot of anxiety, a lot of nerves. Uh, But I have to say the the team around and the, the... the family environment around really just makes you feel good, you know? Yeah. It was really wonderful. I mean, I saw Lizzo again. I got to chit-chat with her did a little you, bit again. Did, did you hug her around that outfit? How do you, No, like... I couldn't, but we literally, uh, I was walking to start the car, to go to the carpet, and she was coming, and we came at each other, and we saw each other, and we were like, ah! And, I, and then, like, she was, like, she had to hurry up, because she was obviously opening the show. And, um... It was just a moment. They shut down the entire carpet for that dress. Whoa. You know, you had to. It was How such a moment. How big was it? Oh, it was humongous. And then the way that she, like, walked, it felt like she was walking on a dark cloud, but, like, it was the brightest, most beautiful, sunny, like, experience because her vibe is just delicious. Um, but it was so amazing. It was really, really incredible. And then I had to rush from the carpet to my car to go all the way to Times Square, uh, Times Square because that is where I shot my live show, uh, the after show for the VMAs. Were you in the TRL Live from studio? Times Square. Oh, I love that. Live from Times Square. It was pretty, um, I kind of, I was not in that studio, but I got to see that studio. Yeah, it's cool. I and was, it was like, I was there what? when I was uh, a youngin. I was an intern during the TRL days. That building is beautiful, but imagine going to work in that building every single day in Times Square. Disgusting. Disgusting. Times Square is wild. It is. But it was such a cool, cool opportunity. I'm not even going to lie to you. I love it. Yeah. Well, you could go to the uh, his Instagram to see everything. The yes, outfits and more, all the Please. action. Check it out. Check it out. It was a really cool experience. Once in a lifetime. Hopefully not once, but hopefully many more to come. But that was an experience I'll always share. Bucket list. Yeah. Oh, my God. Most definitely a bucket list. Like, girl. Could you imagine when you met me? No. Yeah, I know. I mean, I mean, exactly. 
It's like, yo, you never know. I mean, it's, I think it's so cool. I love it. It is cool. I think it's so cool. I'm so proud of you. Yeah, especially just with your history with MTV and then, you know, like, it's just like a full circle moment, right? It's so cool. It is. I was there and there was um, a blackout. What's it called? The, the electricity went out in Times Square. Oh. And we were all the way on the 23rd floor and we had to walk all the way down. Oh, awful. It was like a two to three day blackout in New York during the summer. Oh, wow. I was there, yeah. Those are the days in my time. Oh, that's awful. Okay, well, we have lots coming up on the show today. We are giving away Diana Ross tickets. We sure are. Am I reading this now or should I save it for later? I can save it for next top of the hour. All right, stick around. We'll tell you how to get those Diana Ross tickets right here on Channel Q next hour. Mm -hmm. We're also going to share how to celebrate Pride in Nature at 4.20 p.m. Pacific, 7.20 p.m. Eastern. Plus, in 30 minutes, how Jackson, Mississippi ran out of water. It's just horrific what's happening there. Let's get into some what's trending this, this hour headlines. The UN's independent expert on sexual orientation and gender identity says he is deeply alarmed by the state of LGBTQ equality in the U.S. At a press briefing following a 10-day trip to the U.S., Victor Madrigal Borlaz warned that progress made over the course of previous decades is being undermined at both the state and federal level. I am extremely (laughs) concerned about a series and I would say a concerted series of actions at state level, both legislative and administrative, that tend to, base on prejudice and stigma, to attack and to roll back the rights of LGBT persons. And these actions appear to be concerted on a strategy that actually refers to limitations of access to gender-affirming treatment, limitations of access to comprehensive sexual and gender education, and quite importantly, they uh, also include the limitation of access to sports and of same-sex spaces. I'm happy someone's noticing. (laughs) What's happening? Give them some perspective. Moving on to the FDA, who granted emergency use authorization for updated COVID-19 vaccine booster shots from Moderna and Pfizer. Today, both jabs are bivalent vaccines that combine the company's original vaccine with one that targets the Omicron subvariants dominating the U.S. Boosters are scheduled to be reviewed by the CDC advisors tomorrow. Are you going to get a booster? Am I going to get a booster? Uh, Yeah, I mean, why not? I'm getting all the shots. If I have to get shots until I'm 97, I'm getting shots. How um, anal or like... uh, I like anal. (laughs) How, like, at the BMAs, were they, like, really... There were uh, COVID compliance compliance and all that? Yes, there was. I was getting a test every uh, 48 hours. Um, And you had to have your mask. There was COVID compliance officers everywhere. Um, Yeah, and they prepared just in case. You just never knew, but... For me and our, the team I worked with, we were all good. good we were lucky. all, all good. Wow. I think we all just knew. I mean, the VMAs is kind of like the Super Bowl. You're not going to mess that up. Yeah, no. Stay away from people. That's what I'm saying. I hope you weren't on Grindr. Oh, I was everywhere. <laughs> I wasn't on Grinder, but I was everywhere. I got to see friends. I got to hang out. I did a podcast on my last day that I was there. Like, I, I did a lot. I wanted to make this, a, you know, a really beautiful trip, and it was. Okay. But I was protected. I had my mask on when I was there. Well, we're happy you're back. Let's get into some, to some tea. Ooh, I haven't done a tea report in forever. Yeah. Okay, so Kate Moss is revealing the most interesting gift that she got from Johnny Depp from the most unexpected place ever. It's time for the tea report, those pop culture stories trending right now. So, 
Yeah, Kate Moss is doing this video um, for British Vogue that was released today. And she recalled the time her ex-boyfriend, Johnny Depp, gifted her a diamond necklace. Hmm. But you won't believe where he pulled the diamond necklace from. I'm just going to let her explain it. And that diamond necklace Johnny gave me, they were the first diamonds I ever owned. He pulled them out the crack of his arm. We were going out for dinner, and he said, I've got a, something on my bum. Can you have a look? And I was like, what? And I put my hand down his trousers, and I pulled out a diamond necklace. Mm, from his okay. butt crack. I would never reach I down. I hope you kept it clean. That's what I'm saying. I would never reach down, especially Johnny Depp's trousers, like his pants, where his crack is. Well, he's into some interesting I don't know. stuff. I don't know. I just feel like, was it in the middle of the day? Like, climate? Was he sweaty? Like, there's so many questions. And then, did the diamonds, were they clean? Did you sanitize them or did you immediately put them on? So many cover, like questions. I don't here. even know if they had sanitizer, hand sanitizer back then. It was 1995. <laughs> this isn't like the year of Game of Thrones. <laughs> she was like, "Thank you." They dated from 1994 to 1998. Um, yeah, people were dragging also because he was the moon person. The what? He was the moon man during the VMAs. Oh yeah, that was weird. It was like why? Weird. Why? I don't have. I have no question. I have. Did no you talk about that. that in the after show? No, you I. You weren't allowed. We weren't allowed. You know, when being in those spaces. Don't do things that you're not allowed talking about. I know. I know. But my contract's Awkward. over, so I can talk about it now. Hey. I can say whatever I want now. You know what I mean? <laughs> but that is your team report. We got more coming up next hour. Stick around for that. Well, after this, the photo of a highly classified uh, document sprawled across the floor at Mar-a-Lago beside a box of Time magazines had already gone viral. The latest in the Trump fiasco. Next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. So I don't know if you've seen this photo of this these highly classified documents. Yeah, the DOJ clapping across back. the floor at Mar-a-Lago. It was beside a box of framed Time magazines. It's gone viral, basically. And it, it, this will perhaps go down as a real defining image as it relates to this ongoing investigation into Donald Trump's alleged mishandling of classified information and this whole FBI raid. Uh, and, you know, everyone is speaking out about this. Here is Representative... Ken Buck. I understand uh, that that former presidents, former secretary of states may very well have classified information. He may be writing a memoir. He may be writing uh, an autobiography. uh, And uh, the fact that he had documents in and of itself isn't a a concern. How he treated those documents um, and what negotiations occurred with the archivist, we just don't know at this point. I mean... Does that make sense to you? Here to explain more is Ben Jacobs, senior politics writer at Vox. Thanks for being here. Thanks so much for having me. I mean, this whole thing blows my mind. Like, you know, uh, Trump's team, his lawyers claimed to the DOJ there were no other classified documents at Mar-a-Lago in June. Yet there's this. And now everyone's kind of rationalizing that it's okay. What do you think about everything? Well, I think there's there's a lot of trying to figure out what's there and what's going on that as as Trump scandals sort of go that we've sort of certainly been through, you know, I mean, a thousand of them. And, you know, not all of them land and some of them are different and some of them weird. But the idea that Trump was just keeping all this classified information around just sort of because and we're not entirely sure what it is, it's 
just very strange and folks have been who initially came off being very uh very vigorously defending the former president are now sort of walking back and saying we don't know and giving more sort of questions about the process that you know what ken buck said you know that he, in talking about, you know, we don't know what the nature of this stuff. It's a very different nature response than what we got uh, a couple weeks ago when the FBI showed up at Mar-a-Lago, in which the immediate Republicans screaming about defund the FBI, this is, you know, targeting a political opponents, and now they're walking back because they're really quite unsure what this is, and it's sort of, you know, no one wants to sort of jump jump the gun on what's going on but you know the, the wording there that you're seeing from a lot of folks on the right is sort of very process oriented they're being very careful to sort of raise questions without uh leaving any hostages to fortune yeah and i think what's really interesting is like the fbi would have never re- i guess responded in this way if trump did not um, kind of egg this on publicly. And I I just wonder, how do you think this actually would have went if we would have never found out about this if Trump never said anything? Well, I think I think we would have found out about this because in terms of, you know, that eventually these things come out, but, you know, we, we certainly found out because Trump talking about this raid, how dare the FBI do this, when it was all very, you know, it was going out of its way to be sort of go-key and not political, that we've certainly seen things, investigations that have become politicized in the past, and this wasn't that, and, you know, that that's sort of very peculiar, but, you know, that's also, Trump is making the decisions according to his own particular calculus, and, you know, dealing with the short-term stuff as he's facing, you know, quite a few significant legal probes. This is a brand new one, but this is not related to tax issues with his New York corporation. This is not the FBI's investigation of January 6th, the January 6th committee's investigation of January 6th, or the Georgia grand jury. Um, But this is just sort of another one that comes on top of it. And while Republicans, you know, initially always start off to be primed to defend him, because a lot of this, you know, they can easily argue it's political, this is much weirder. Uh, so with that, you know, th- this uh, filing, this 36-page filing was attached to the image from the Department of Justice. What else did we learn? And is there anything that, I mean, at this point, it seems like this was illegal, but we're questioning the legalities of this or if anyone's going to be held responsible? Well, I mean, there was details in the filing that they not only, you know, they found documents, but classified information in Trump's desk and not just in the storage room. And I think it raises real questions. Um, Trump's team is supposed to file file response today and how they respond. But there's going to be real questions with what they do and how they do it. Uh, In particular, uh, you know, trying to deal with what the various claims are making. Because at this point, Trump's team isn't arguing the facts of this. They're just trying to say that it's somehow uh, somehow privileged and somehow uh, that the law doesn't apply to them on classified information, whether because Trump mysteriously declassified this or whether it's somehow protected by privilege. But at this point, you know, there's certainly real legal jeopardy here. And it's a question, but a lot of it also hinges on what is actually there and what the documents are. Wild. All right. That was Ben Jacobs, senior politics writer at Vox. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. 
Okay, so let's talk about the water crisis that's happening in Mississippi. Well, turns out this was decades in the making. Mm. More up next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Well, if you didn't know, Jackson, Mississippi has completely run out of drinking water, leaving millions wondering, how did this happen? Well, turns out this was decades in the making. Joining us to break this down further is Benji Jones, environmental reporter at Vox. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Now, I think we should just jump right into this conversation because you actually wrote that on the surface of this crisis, uh, it can look like it's an infrastructure issue, among some other things. But I guess what is at the root of this unfortunate issue that has failed so many? Yeah, so you're totally right. There's some infrastructure issues that kind of have come out in in the last couple of days. But at the root of this problem... It, it seems to be that the the water system in Jackson has been in need of repair for, for decades at this point. I mean, some parts of the, the system are over 100 years old, and it really is just kind of falling into disrepair. And that is because it has been neglected, largely due to a lack of, of funding for some of these essential upgrades. And so, yes, it is devastating to see what's happening but it's also not totally surprising as 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 you read about the backstory here yeah well the backstory let's get into that because it you do say it's tied to white disinvestment from a majority black city including a state that's republican led but is failing it seems a majority democrat city yeah that's right so in the in the 70s and 80s, following the integration of public schools, we saw um, a large percentage of the, the wealthier white folks leaving Jackson uh, for the suburbs. And they essentially took their money with them, which reduced the overall kind of fuel for, for tax revenue of the city. So as you have um, lower income folks remaining in Jackson, that means less money from tax revenue, which means there's less money to invest in these essential infrastructure services. So white flight, again, kind of in the last late last century, has really driven this resource issue. And then you also, on top of that, have this divide between the, the Republican-led state legislature and the majority Democrat city. And there has been some tension there and seems to be a lack of interest in, in, in funding these issues within Jackson from the state level. Wow. And I mean, this situation, I mean, if you think about it, it doesn't it really reminds you of like what happened in Flint, Michigan and what's still happening. Right. And I wonder, why did we not learn from that situation? Why are we kind of seeing this repetitive moment in history right now? I mean, that's a really good question. It's really tough to see. I mean, I think I was just reading a report that we also knew that there were problems with the water system in, in Jackson a month ago from this EPA report. So, like, we knew that this was going to happen. And totally, as you mentioned, like, these these issues are repeating over and over again. And we're just seeing this kind of really terrible reality that, that lower-income communities and communities of color are bearing the burden of a lot of this um, damaged infrastructure. And that infrastructure is also more vulnerable to, to things like climate change. And so we have to think about equity when we look ahead um, at kind of some of these forces that are going to be impacting cities in the future. Wow. So how is, you know, the city, the governor obviously has declared it a state of emergency. It's kind of almost embarrassing that he's having to do this because yeah. you would assume that he had time to possibly do something about it or give 
folks a heads up. Like, this seems months into making, and yet, you know, it's like yeah. the crack that we saw there, and yet we ignored it. Yeah, I mean, it's really bad when you think about that in the winter of 2021, there were a couple of winter storms that ended up creating a similar crisis where people lost water in some cases for a few weeks. And so you would imagine that after that horrible incident, you would see these repairs take effect. And we do know that there has been some federal money coming in from the from Biden's infrastructure bill into into Mississippi. And some of that will likely go to Jackson. But again, like it just seems like no one has taken the actual time and effort to address this in a more holistic way. Yeah. So I guess what's next for Jackson? Yeah, I mean, so most immediately the city is just trying to supply bottled water and and non-potable water for washing and so forth to, to city residents. Um, and that's kind of this week and in the immediate term. And then longer term, it's going to come down to finding ways to provide Jackson with money. And that could come from the federal level. So the president, President Joe Biden declared a, an emergency for Jackson, which allocates some funds for, for Jackson. And we might also see some more collaboration building between the state and the city to, to, to provide funding for this problem as well. I'm thinking that because this is is on people's radar at the national level. There will be more movement, but I think it will come down to addressing some of these racial inequities that are at the root of the problem. That's the hope, yeah. That was Benji Jones, environmental reporter at Vox. Thank you so much. Thank you. Well, coming up next, we've talked about quiet quitting at work and in friendships and other areas of our life, but could your boss be quiet firing you? Next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Okay, quiet quitting. We've talked about it. Which triggered you when we talked about it. Yeah, then we talked about it with Shar too because there was an, uh, what was it, quiet quiet quitting what your friends or something, like other people in your life. Oh, I've done that. Currently actually doing that. (laughs) No, I really am. Like, not even going to, I wish I was there for that. Oh, God. So, uh, but now someone else uh, or other people are talking about quiet firing. You know, everyone could play this game. Well, how does that work? Because don't you got to have an exit interview? Well, here's the thing. It's when employers, according to this article on Fortune.com, or actually I got this from uh, globalnews.ca, this quote. I love that you give everyone their their credit. You know, got it. Uh, it's when employers demoralize workers enough that they decide to leave on their own. This can happen in various ways, such as not responding to requests for promotions or wage increases, increasing workloads to an unmanageable level, or by snuffing out opportunities for career growth. They're basically saying, like, you know, it's up to you if you want to stay here. It's quiet firing. Okay. <laughs> sure, this is reminding me of a certain someone who would... <laughs> Is it, hasn't someone been like, well, okay, I don't know how we could talk about this without me like putting everything on blast. But have you ever received that type of like being like, oh, you know, just let me know when you're, you're like, if you plan on moving on or have you ever received that? I, well, I've been fired before. It wasn't quiet. No, but I mean, like, have <laughs> yes. you ever? Have I? Uh, I think I've been, have I been somewhere where um, I've like, I want a girl, I want more money, and they haven't given it to me? Yeah. Uh, no, but, but like, like the, your, your boss being like, well, just let me know. Just let me know when you're Yeah, ready. I guess, but I feel like that's more obvious. That's, that's, like, that's I, not, I'm, that's not that obvious. Like, I'm a, I'm, um. I'm there with you. I'm like cheerleading you on. <laughs> I feel like this is a bit more conniving. Like this is a bit more like they know you want to work there and 
they're like not creating ways to support your growth. And so they're like basically giving or, you an opening. I, I see. I look at it from another perspective. Like, yes, that person may want to work there. But just because you want to work there, that doesn't necessarily mean that you have proven that you have the qualifications to work there. And so maybe because it's like a rock and a hard place, they can't just automatically fire you right now. They still, but they realize that maybe you just aren't the one. And so you gotta, you gotta find a little creative way of being like, okay, I think it, you know, I gotta find some way to push this person out the door. Yeah. Without pushing this person out the door. I mean, it, it's but an just uncomfortable situation. Having to realize that their luggage Here's is the thing. out on the, Here's the, thing. the curb waiting. I think that, you know, when you, when you get used to uh, someone being on your team and, you know, things are busy, you could just, like, keep someone on who's obvious it's not the right fit. I don't think that's the right way to do it because it's just, like, it, as they say, like, one bad, uh, bad apple or one bad seed it ruins everyone right so you want to make sure on your team if someone's like showing that they're not into it you don't keep them on board so let's move on to loud quitting shall we that's next trend (laughs) let's go there with shira and ryan channel q this episode is brought to you by progressive insurance whether you love true crime or comedy celebrity interviews or news you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue and guess what now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the name your price tool from progressive It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Welcome back to the show. It's Sharon and Ryan in the studio together. We're back. Back. Together again. Yes, and more music coming up. But right now, we are going to be bringing you something special from a music icon. Oh, sure we are. Channel Q wants to send you on a guest to Vegas to see the supreme diva, Diana Ross. The iconic Miss Ross returns for a limited engagement at Win Las Vegas, September 21st. Oh my God, I'm triggered by that date. To October 1st, head over to WeAreChannelQ.com and enter for your chance to win. Guess what you're winning? Airfare for two. Two-night hotel stay at Wynn, Las Vegas, plus upfront seats at the Encore Theater. Literally, it's like the first 10 rows. It's like going to be in that moment. So, girl, just head over to WeAreChannelQ.com and enter for your chance to win. Or get tickets now at Ticketmaster.com. Either way, you need to go to this show. WeAreChannelQ.com has all the wonderful info. September 21st, if you are wondering why that date's triggering for me, um, is like like an ex's birthday that just I've completely forgot oh. about. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but I'm not going into that. I'm coming out of that. Yes. <laughs> Feeling it.
Well, coming up on the show in 30 minutes, the new study that shares the impacts of tech on us, but what it could be changing without you realizing it. Plus, this actor can't seem to stay in a relationship with someone over 25. And guess what? He's not 25. He's much older. That's in the tea report in a moment. Mm. Let's get into some what's trending this hour headlines Why though, right now. would you give away? I didn't. You gave away a really good part of that story that I wanted to talk, go into. Oh. Well, let's move into some headlines. Wow. wow. <laughs> Campus Pride released their annual list of the best of the best LGBTQ-friendly colleges and universities. It featured 44-year campuses from across the country. They've achieved five out of five stars on the Campus Pride Index. To earn a ranking of five out of five stars, campuses receive a percentage score from 90 to 100 based on their inclusive policies, programs, practices. Some of these names include... Kansas State University, the Ohio State University, Washington State, and San Diego State. Wow, Kansas and Ohio, places I wouldn't have expected to be inclusive on this. Go to campuspride.org for the full list. Now, the South Carolina House approved a bill that outlaws abortion, except in the cases of pregnancies caused by race or incest. The chamber initially rejected the bill without the exceptions by eight votes. But once Republicans saw the outcome, they quickly went through a number of complex procedures and votes to bring the bill back from failure. Here is uh, Democrat Leon Stavrinakis, who made a statement before the vote. Number one, this is not our bill. This is not our bill. We didn't pass this bill out of committee. We're not the ones trying to strip the rights and freedoms and equality and healthcare choices away from the women of South Carolina. It's not us. Don't blame us. Yikes. Well, they landed somewhere a bit better, but still not good. Moving on to the Biden administration, who announced a handful of actions aimed at addressing the teacher shortage in the U.S., including by partnering with job search firms to make it easier to fill openings in the education field. ZipRecruiter will launch a new web portal to showcase K-12 school jobs. Handshake is planning an October virtual event to encourage current college students to explore education jobs and indeed would host virtual hiring fairs specifically for educators. How about announcing some new money in the education system? That could help, too. You know? All right. That was what's trending this hour. What's happening in entertainment news? Oh, my God. Leonardo DiCaprio's um, basically now ex. She hit a certain age, 25, and she had to hit the road because, you know, 25 is his age where he can't even do anything. It's like the age where... As a woman, you start thinking about the future, right? You're like, okay, you're not there yet. You start having those conversations about what that looks like. But that could scare someone away. They're not ready. The internet is having such a hilarious time with the fact that he broke up with his 25-year-old girlfriend, Camilla Maroon. Um, Yeah, I was obsessed with this news because, one, I just saw the headline. And they didn't reveal the age, but I knew she had hit 25. I knew it. Because... I mean, that's literally the time that he doesn't. He only he only dates girls at that till that age. He's like, um, wow. which is really strange. It huh? is weird. 
Let's <laughs> something read, something is fishy. Let's read some of these moments, um, which I just thought it's hilarious. A lot of them are accompanied with like videos, which of course. Um, but one person said, three things are certain in life: death, taxes, and Leonardo DiCaprio breaking up with his girlfriend before her prefrontal cortex has fully. Oh, developed. damn. That's a good one. That's a good one. <laughs> Another said, the thought of Leonardo DiCaprio possibly dating someone born in the 2000s is actually terrifying. Um, Because, yeah, I mean, that does mean he's moving on to his next prey. (laughs) Okay, in two years, when Variety announces that Leonardo DiCaprio and Olivia Rodrigo have started dating, it's going to be effing, it's going to be an effing rough day. (laughs) Which, honestly, okay, why do we seriously think, really quickly, why do we think he's not dating like her anymore? Are like dating. Well, we don't know, but tw- I, over twenty five. Commitment anymore. issues. He too damn. Oh, he's like forty something. Yeah, that happens. And also, to be honest, it is a thing where it's like there's those guys who are like, it's just like I don't like. Yeah, they just say it's the look, it's the vibe. It, I do think it's it's like they're in Peter Pan syndrome. I'm gonna start doing that. I'm only gonna date guys until they get to the age of twenty nine, and then it's over. Twenty nine. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's your team report. we got more coming up next hour. <laughs> That's your thing. i got to figure out my thing. I can't copy him. Yeah. Next up, we've talked about the fentanyl crisis before, and some people have somewhat of a solution for this. More next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. It seems like fentanyl strips have become a provocative party favor, according to this article in the New York Times. Uh, that's because... Deaths from drug overdoses have reached record levels in 2021, mostly from the rise in fentanyl. And according from according to preliminary data from the CDC, um, 108,000 overdose deaths last year, about 71,000 involved fentanyl and other synthetic opioids. Just horrible. And of course, we've seen like high profile cases of this happening. Uh, Mac Miller, of course, and others, you know, the comedians that this happened to in Los Angeles. We keep hearing the stories. So something needs to happen. Uh, well, joining us right now is Dr. Joshua Sharfstein, Vice Dean of the Bloomberg School of Public Health at Johns Hopkins University. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. So let's talk about how these strips actually work. Sure. Well, they were originally designed for urine, actually, um, to test whether somebody has fentanyl in their system. But they can be used and they've been studied for um, basically to dip in a little bit of the drug substance in water and they will turn positive if there's fentanyl. They're pretty good. They're not perfect, but they're pretty good. They pick up a lot of fentanyl and they can let people know. I mean, they'll pick up if there is some fentanyl almost all the time and they'll let people know that, you know, danger is ahead. Well, yeah, and it's interesting that these, I mean, I'm so happy these strips are things, but now that people are bringing them in party settings, like, I know people who are like, oh, we're going to an Mm. event or going to a festival, and we have these just in case. It feels like there's a a pro and a con to this, where obviously the pro is to make sure that everyone is safe, but then also it's gotten to this point where people are like, oh, well, I still want to do the drug, even though there's a risk factor here. Talk about how alarming that really is, and potentially with, you know, the rise of overdoses happening. Well, you know, drug checking is something that has existed for quite a while in Europe. And in Europe, sometimes people can get their drugs tested for a whole bunch of things. So it is a harm reduction approach for people who are really going to use drugs to try to keep it as safe as possible. But sometimes they'll see that, look, I, wasn't, I didn't want fentanyl, 
fentanyl can be deadly. It's just a very small amount. And so some people, when they see that there's fentanyl, they won't use and it'll save their life. Other people may use very slowly or make sure somebody has Narcan around them so that they can be resuscitated if, if there's a problem. So there are definite ways that people can use this information to protect themselves if they're going to go ahead anyway. Although certainly our recommendation would be that if there's fentanyl, not to go there because it is just so incredibly potent and lethal. Definitely. Or hopefully maybe, oh my God, don't do drugs, you know, as they say. But I want to know these fentanyl strips, they're not necessarily legal, right? Um, They're not illegal. Um, It depends on the place where you are. Um, They, you know, um, in Maryland, uh, there was a study that uh, Professor Susan Sherman led that that they worked and soon after that they passed the law saying that they could be used so it may depend a little bit on where you are but um you know the idea of harm reduction the idea of essentially consumer protection in a way for drugs has been around for a while and it's helped save a lot of people i think the key thing for people to know these days is that fentanyl because it's so cheap because it's so potent can be put in anything and really there's no drug out there that is safe from fentanyl which means that the risk of you know, a serious problem, including death, is there. And that's why these strips can be very helpful. Are we seeing an uptick in overdoses in certain age groups? Um, well, there are a lot of different um, age groups that have seen you know, a big increase over the last few years. Um, it's particularly true, believe it or not, even for older adults. So, you know, it's um, most uh, overdoses are in the like 25 to 44 range, but we're seeing increases at other ages too. So people who, for example, had maybe a very stable supply of heroin, they were using a certain amount of heroin, everything was fine, um, you know, in the sense that they were able to do their lives, have jobs, maybe they'd be using heroin regularly, but, you know, for many years when people do that, then all of a sudden the drug supply shifts and they're dying because they're getting fentanyl even if they didn't know it. Oh, and so there, there are a lot of people who are running into a really horrible surprise and that's why people who are thinking of using drugs of any kind really need to be worried about yeah. it. Listen, I think this should be at every major festival, at clubs. Uh, in this article, it mentions New York, etc. Uh, there are places to get these. Uh, there are online stores like Bunk Police. Dance Safe is a nonprofit group. Uh, also, Amazon sells them. So thank you so much. This is really important for people to know, and it's better to be safe than sorry because we don't want to see more people dying, that's for sure. That was Thanks doc- so much for having yes, me. Yes, you too. That was Dr. Joshua Sharfstein, Vice Dean of the Bloomberg School of Public Health at Johns Hopkins University. You know, apparently we're going to pivot here because um, apparently, you know, technology is ruining our morality. I wonder in what ways. Find out coming up next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Multiple studies have suggested that digital technology is shortening our attention spans and making us more distracted. What if it's also making us less empathetic, less prone to ethical action? What if it's actually degrading our capacity for moral attention? Do you think that's happening, Shira? Yeah. I think it's twofold. Like... It goes both ways. I think that in some ways it's a connective tissue, right? It creates community. Mm-hmm, but then mm-hmm, on the mm-hmm. other side of it, it's true. I think that it takes us um, more effort to do that side of things because of how it's kind of 
it simultaneously disconnected us. Yeah, I think that's really interesting. I think for me, when I think about this, it's the ways how, even in the news cycle, I mean, it feels like we're in one of the, if we were like 15, 20, 30 years ago, finding out about like what's happening with Mar-a-Lago and Donald Trump and like these secret things, it would have been like as huge as Watergate. And I I just feel like currently it's like, girl, next. (laughs) You know, and I think that for us, because of the nature of one, how crazy that presidency was, and then also like the the nature of being able to pull out your phone and mm-hmm. see literally anything happen, and it could be something that is like quite visual and like crazy to watch. Mm-hmm. Also, being like the the thing that's like okay, not I guess yeah, there was a mass shooting, but only two people died, so is it worth really talking about? You, you know, sensitized. It's yeah, and so it feels. It feels like we have reached this point where we are no longer um, really affected. It could be harder because, yeah, you become numb to it, right? You keep on seeing something in your feed, and then it's almost like the bar gets raised for how much more needs to happen for it to impact you, right? Or for you to maybe make a move and take action. Look what's happening in Mississippi. You've 180,000 people, I think, around there that have no water. Like, in the America, no access to drinking water, can't even yeah. flush the toilet. It's like, that's not normal. And, you know, stuff like that, you know, uh, or you'll be in your feed, and this person re- in this article we're referencing in Vox that inspired this, y- you have people in your feed who are sick, or and they can be even friends, lost loved ones, right, are dealing with something horrible, or asking for you to donate. And how many times do you, you might feel it for a moment, and then, like, kind of move on with your Or you day. don't even, like, feel it. Like, exactly. I, I mean, I'm thinking about the way that I have all my notifications turned off. So even if there was a breaking news thing and your app was to alarm you, girl, my notifications are off. I don't see anything. And so I look at how, you know, um, a lot of the experts in this article, they talked about how humans naturally try to av- avert uncomfortable situations or painful situations. And it's like... We can escape that if we don't get our notifications or if we delete the app and if your world is not, you know, consistent in like spaces where we, you know, here talk about things that are happen happening daily. It feels like our stuff naturally because of our job, we have to talk about these things. So we have to have some sort of, um, you know, I, I guess like pin on the needle or whatever it's called or like, you know, we have to understand to what's ground. happening, get our ear to the ground. And I think for me... Because we have that job, I'm like, sometimes I am okay with being, like, disconnected. Well, you need to have boundaries. Yeah, there has to be a balance. So where's that balance that comes into play? Like, is there a balance where we can keep our, our moral standing, but then also allow us to, like, take a deep breath and, like, disconnect from the fact that I don't want to see something crazy like happening. I just saw, um, just looking for stories on the New York Post and saw that, you know, a black guy was like shot just because he had a, a you know, police officers raid, like raided his uh, his building, his, his house, and they saw that he had a, a vape pen, but they thought it was a gun. Like, I don't want to have to know yeah, that story. Totally. You know what I mean? Well, you're talking about two very important things that are kind of, that are interconnected. You're talking about how we consume and how uh, it's too much, right? And how we need to set boundaries around that, including depending on w- where we stand and what group we're part of. If we're part of, the, you know, those people that are constantly uh, victimized, right, and are part of the story, how much more can you see that? 
right? Yourself. Yeah. yeah That's yeah. crazy. Like no humans is, is supposed to experience that. And, and then I don't on think the other we're side, supposed to have access to it well, yeah. all in the same space. And then on the other side, I think when it comes to tech and morality and ethics, we're also really talking about action. It's like when you talk about how we take action for one another, it's that we're also getting numb to that because there's so much action to possibly take that at a certain point you're like, where do you start? What do you do? Yeah. The minute you donate and something, there's something else. Even people who are constantly working on kind of al- like alerting us about the dangers of social media from like doing documentaries or just <laughs> being a whistleblower. Girl, we we either listen to it or it's in one ear and out the other. It's just like there are people who are actively trying to remind us about what what state of kind of dangers we are when it comes to this digital technology. But like at this point, I think we all pretty much ignore it because guess what? We have a system. We're using it. And we're using new we're new using new apps. We're using apps that are like, you know, marketed towards being real mm-hmm. and just being yourself and forget everything. But inherently that's still a part of the problem, right? Yeah. So I guess we've talked about the problems. Are there any solutions? <laughs> This whole article talks about all the bad things. Human downgrading. We're downgrading ourselves. But that's the thing. I don't know if there is really a solution. I think it it comes to personal solutions because it's all about how you want to navigate with the space. And I think if enough people figure out their relationship and how they want to um, kind of take in information and how they want to be aware of information, how they want to also be a part of letting others others know about either the dangers or information, then that's like a, your own personal journey. I don't think so, there's one size that fits here's all. Here's the thing. Some people are trying to do it. And as we wrap up, things to check out. Um, apps that actually help you build better compassion and empathy. That's what Be Real is. And that's not the, that is be literally is just more being like a fly on the wall to someone's life. No, but I think Be Real has yeah. a, a, a perspective of it being marketed. So, like, forget all the filters, forget everything oh yeah, about it. Like, you're supposed to be like, that's so, a part of the compassion process. Here's, uh, here's uh, from, uh, there's a thing called 20 Day Stranger. It gives you updates on what another person is doing and feeling. There's an app called Mitra. It's inspired by Buddhist notions of a virtuous friend. You don't see it prompts how this is just you still to identify your core values and track how you acted in line with them every day. So I think that is the key, right? It's saying like, no. who do you want to be? What are your values? And are your actions matching? So you're that? saying the key is to download more social media, download more apps, and and engulf yourself into more digital. It's technology. about being uh, aware of, I think, your actions. That's literally what I said. <laughs> But there are there are apps that help you do that. The, uh-huh. the better apps. It's the it's the it's the better evil. Everyone just download the Calm app. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours. The energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter, and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. 
Uh-oh, are you on your phone all the time? We are talking about how tech can make you immortal before. Well, it seems like too much blue light from your gadgets, like TVs, laptops, smartphones, can actually also accelerate the aging process, according to a new study. Mm, I mean, in what ways? They found that the light could also lead on to the onset of obesity and psychological problems. What? That feels... Like no, like two things that can be connected. Like that, that feels literally left field. That makes no sense. So that makes this literally is, this no goes sense. back to this is so interesting. We talked about this the, the, earlier this week. We share a lot of genes with uh, insects, and so a lot of times they'll discover these things from experiments with fruit flies. I am not related to a fruit fly. I may be a fruit, but I was not related to a fruit fly. So uh, they discovered the light from screens impacted them as well. And it is significant because humans, as I mentioned, and flies have similar similarities on a cellular level. We're like flies. Of course. You know what? I've realized stories like this are guilt geared to audiences like Shira. I'm, I think this is, you are exactly the target demo for a story like this. Me, not so much. You don't believe it. So you're going to keep using your phone and getting older. Are you going to keep using your phone? I, there's a way, actually, there are solutions to the blue light. Um, there's ways to put your screen on a My light's not even light. blue. I don't even know what Well, you don't mean. notice. It's like not blue. It's like the light coming from your screen is a blue light. You don't notice it. Like, But it's what it, what it is. How, how long did you, um, you, you study that scientific share? I'm just letting you know. It's been talked about. So there's covers for it. There's glasses you could wear to protect you. Yeah, I do. I have those glasses. Those are my sunglasses. No, not that. It's not from UV rays. No, you can get actual like blue light, blue, blue light lights. sunglasses, like in my lens. They're not blue lenses. No, they're, they're specific. Okay, I'm just making sure. Warby Parker has blue specific okay, lenses so that I paid extra about. for. Okay, all right. Shira, you were the one that was just excited about being related to a fruit fly. Please, <laughs> don't you ever. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Yes, welcome back to the show and stick around for more music right here on Channel Q. Uh, we're going to be getting into some pride under the pines. It's coming up in October. Learn how you can get a discounted ticket in 15 minutes. Celebrate pride in nature. That's what I'm talking about. Plus, a Nickelodeon star opens up about being sexualized on set. More of the tea report in a moment. But first, we are giving you some Diana Ross love. Yes, we are. Switching the music. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. Hello, we are coming out. Channel Q wants to send you and a guest to Vegas to see the supreme diva, Diana Ross. The iconic Miss Ross returns for a limited engagement at Win Las Vegas, September 21st to October 1st. Head over to WeAreChannelQ.com and enter for your chance to win an airfare for two, two-night hotel stay at Win Las Vegas, plus upfront seats at the Encore Theater. Like, oh my God, it's going to literally be within the first 10 rows. Like, so that's pretty insane. Just head over to WeAreChannelQ.com and enter for your chance to win. Or if you don't win, it's okay because you can still grab your ticket at Ticketmaster.com. Okay. Let's get into some what's trending this hour headlines right now. A court in Virginia has thrown out a lawsuit which tried to make it illegal to sell or lend two popular LGBTQ-themed books to minors in the state. The lawsuit, which which was brought against book chain Barnes & Noble by state delegate Tim Arnold on behalf of Republican congressional candidate Tommy Altman, 
tried to use the state's ancient obscenity law to have the books restricted or removed from stores and library shelves. But the judge, who had previously allowed the book challenge to proceed, ruled that the obscenity law the plaintiffs used in the case was unconstitutional. Moving on to New York City, who's posting temporary signage informing those traveling through of gun-free zones. It's part of the response to a U.S. Supreme Court decision that struck down the state's concealed firearms law. Times Square is among the areas designated in the legislation that makes it a felony in many cases to carry a gun, even if a person has a permit. The law also designates mass transit, schools, courts, government buildings, parks, and establishments where alcohol serves as areas where firearms can't be carried. Gun-free zones. Wow. And finally, some good news. This is an early Yaz Queen. Astronaut Nicole Onapu Mann is set to become the first Native American woman in space. Yes. When NASA launches its new crew to the International Space Station this fall. Men of the Wailaki of the Round Valley Indian tribes in Northern California will serve as commander on the SpaceX Crew 5 mission and will be joined by three others. Yes, Queen. And I don't. Okay. I, well, yeah. that, that deserves a big yes, Queen, because that was really, that's really awesome. I love to see it. Well, that was what's trending this hour. Headlines, what's happening in entertainment news, Ryan? Well, what actress from her old Nickelodeon days are basically slamming Nickelodeon for sexualized scenes? Um, we've actually talked to Daniela Monet. Mm-hmm. Um, she is from the hit show Victorious, if you do not know. I was obsessed with that show. Really, really great. Um, but it is interesting to see this um, 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 the amount of old Nickelodeon stars kind of speaking up about the treatment and also being a part of scenes where she specifically slammed the network for allegedly making her participate in scenes she felt sexualized despite her pushback. Now, she was she p- portrayed her character from 2010 to 2013 And uh, in a new interview, she said that Victoria's was very PC, funny, silly, friendly, and chill, but there were occasionally some questionable moments. She says, I do wish certain things, like, didn't have to be so sexualized. Um, She basically is referring to a time she contacted Nickelodeon about a scene in which her character ate a pickle while applying lip gloss. Monet said she worried the scene was too sexual to air, but the channel allegedly ignored her concern. She has also dragged the show's creator, Dan Schneider, for making decisions that she deemed appropriate, inappropriate for her age. I mean, who hasn't dragged Dan Schneider? You know, he's the mastermind behind a lot of Nickelodeon's um, hit shows. He he was a part of, you know, the creative process of making the cast of these shows dressed in skimpier clothing. Um, and it, it, you know, a lot of what Jeanette McCurdy revealed in her tell-all memoir, I'm Glad My Mom Died, she's actually talking about her relationship with this guy, and he just seems awful. And this is also the same person, um, where Nickelodeon basically apparently offered Jeanette three hundred thousand yeah. dollars in hush money, and so yeah. there's so much there. We we thought Disney was bad, girl. Nickelodeon was the worst. Just saying. It is wild, all these stories coming out. And unfortunate, right? Traumatized a lot of people. Yeah, but I'm happy that people are at the place where they can talk about it in a healthy way, totally. it seems like. It seems like speaking about it is like allowing them to release whatever um, the emotional trauma that they they went through. And so that is your T-Report. We have more coming up next hour. 
Okay, well, uh, coming up next, Pride in, Under the Pines, how to celebrate pride in nature right, right near Palm Springs, by the way. We're going to bring you inside the latest Pride event with one of the stars of the event after this. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan, Channel Q. Last year, during another COVID wave, two gay Palm Springs entrepreneurs got together to create the first ever Pride Under the Pines. Which in- sounds like it's in a forest. <laughs> yes, in Idlewild. A whole bunch of gays in a forest? Exactly. What does that mean? What could go wrong? Honestly. <laughs> and they're bringing it back for the second year in a row. We have one of the performers right now joining us, singer-songwriter Alexa Abraxas. Thank you so much for being here. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. <laughs> yes, this is so much fun because I feel like this is a bit off the beaten path. Like typically we have prides in like big cities, obviously some smaller towns, uh, not necessarily always so much. And of course in the desert in Palm Springs. But how about this in nature, like Idlewild? Yeah, I know. This is really interesting for me because I've done um, pride in pretty much all the big cities, London, New York, Montreal, L.A., Palm Springs. But it's so interesting to be... Um, in the woods. So I'm excited because I'm personally, I love the woods. So this is going to be a fun experience for me. (laughs) I love that. Okay. So one, you're performing, which is absolutely incredible. Tell us a little bit about kind of like, if you could describe your, your sound and who Alexa is in three words, give us a little (laughs) clue into your world. Thank you so much. Um, I'm excited to be performing my new song, bad girl, um, bad girl. Basically I, I wrote, under the blood moon about a past experience my music is just stuff from my past or or things that i feel i'm an artist i just create from my heart and 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 genuinely my experiences we love that and of course we love showcasing also queer artists right here on channel q that's what we're all about i mean she said she was a bad girl honey (laughs) that gave me everything i needed to know Well, I mean, when someone from your past, an ex in particular, tries to villainize you, you know what? At some point, you just got to embrace it and say, this is not who I am, but if this is who you think I am, then here, you turn me into a bad girl and I'll deal with that bad girl. Yes. (laughs) So are you going to be going into, like, the forest with, like, some hot outfits or more nature outfits? (laughs) Oh, you know, she's a a pop star. I have to show up and give them what they want. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so tell everyone how they can, like, get their tickets. I mean, I know that obviously there's uh, a website that has all the information, but please break it all down for us. Yeah, no, so uh, we have Pride on the Pines, um, the festival this year. It's sponsored by Salt Point. This is a VIP area. Which I believe Channel Q has the the VIP lounge. Yeah, come on, Channel Q. Come on. Shit. Channel Q has a VIP lounge, and um, you can get your tickets there. Yeah, I mean, there's a there's a link. Obviously, you can go to Pride on the Pines, and there's also the Instagram, which Pride on the Pines Instagram. You can look up um, from the link in the bio. You can get your tickets there as well. Yeah, it's also hosted by Sabrina Williams. Yes, it's hosted by Sabrina Williams, and we're so excited that uh, there's going to be Thea Austin as well from Snap. Okay, so a lot going on there. Also, some of the proceeds uh, go to the Palm Springs Animal Shelter. It's a nonprofit. So, you know, that's important to you. I know that you're involved with a lot of nonprofit stuff. Yeah, I'm, I love uh, giving back, being a philanthropist, a uh, humanitarian is a huge part of my life, and being able to utilize my platform to share a light on, on these things is super important to me. I'm also involved with um, Influence the World Organization, oh, yeah. which we take trips uh, globally um, 
to provide uh, shelter and aid for um, children wow. uh, in need. That's incredible work. And honestly, I'm super happy to see you shine. I I know everyone's wondering now that they, you know, are super excited to see you perform. Is there new music that you're performing? Is there like, what does your artistry look like? Are you dropping an album? How does, what does that mean at this moment? Yeah. So I currently have my three singles out right now, which is Like You, um, uh, Red Flags and Bad Girl. It's honestly a storyline. If you listen to all three songs, it goes into a story from Like You to Red Flags, like basically being in love to learning from my mistakes and now Bad Girl um, evolving from those mistakes. So I'm excited for my future. I have three new songs coming out this fall. Um Love that y'all it. can look forward to. <laughs> yes. All right. That was singer-songwriter Alexa Braxis. Check her out. She'll be performing at the Idlewild Pride Under the Pines 2.0. Again, for more info for tickets, prideunderthepines.com. Outdoor activities, round-trip luxury buses and trips from Palm Springs. Girl, y'all better bring bug spray. I mean, interactive screening of the birdcage. This sounds like the and pride I would love to go to. Honestly, this sounds like the pride all the white people going to get sunburned and if you don't bring sunscreen. Again, you can uh, get a discount. Use promo code CHANNELQ online and save 10%. Yes. And thanks again to Homeboy for being part of it, too. So much good stuff all intertwined. Alexa, thank you so much again. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. And I hope you guys have a great time. Remember, it's so important to stand up for your rights and stand up for what you believe in. Yes, yes. Okay, so well, coming up next, we're actually talking Harry Styles because he's been accused of queer baiting. But why exactly does it matter? Well, more up next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Yo, Harry Styles is being called out for queer baiting mm. again. And um, it all happened after he spoke to Rolling Stone about the topic. He says, sometimes, uh, sometimes people say, you've only publicly been with women. And I don't think I've publicly been with anyone. If someone takes a picture of you with someone, it doesn't mean you're choosing to have a public relationship or something. He added, um, because he was discussing his new role in a, um, in a queer film called My Policeman. Mm-hmm. He said, I think everyone, including myself, has um, has your own journey with figuring out sexuality and getting more comfortable with it. Um, now, if I was Olivia Wilde and he <laughs> they've and the ways they've been romantically linked for about a year and a half, mm-hmm. I would feel some type of way of him being like, um, just because people take pictures with you doesn't mean I'm romantic with someone. And it's just like, but you and Olivia Wilde have been actually romantic. Well, that's just that. I think he's he's meaning like what he does with other people, right? Yeah, but I mean, I would feel a certain way if my partner said that, and then that basically feels like they're not claiming you. But anyway, I don't think this is that. That's not the conversation yeah. here. The conversation it is about how um, Harry Styles does kind of exist in this space where, and a lot of times we've seen a lot of celebrities, specifically cis men, kind of exist in this space where they kind of have this fluidity about themselves where they're able to kind of be a part of queerness without explicitly saying that they're a part of queerness, which really is, in my opinion, it irks my damn nerves. Um, Just because through this process, they are being uplifted as these people who are like groundbreaking, who are like doing something so like magnificent. And I think 
We saw, you know, him doing it. Um, we've saw, I mean, Bad Bunny has done it at some point in his career, but I think now he's really leaning into being sort of like what ally and accomplice is. And when you think about it, because the work that we saw in the VMAs where he kissed like three yeah. of his background dancers and they were like, two of them were guys and one was a woman. He was doing that in light of, with me finding this out recently, actually, he was doing that because a trans woman had gotten murdered um, and he wanted to, and, and especially in a, uh, I think in the, like Puerto Rican culture and just Latin culture in general, yeah. there's so many, there was so much outspoken, like from other reggaeton, like artists who are men, they were all kind of being very homophobic or transphobic. And he took that time on his, such a big platform to kind of speak out or do an action that was leaning towards his allyship and accomplishing, yeah. which is beautiful to see because I think he's learned about what queer baiting is and what he shouldn't be doing and how to actually use his platform to to have these moments of like actual educational purposes um but Harry Styles I don't know Harry in my opinion just like it is really annoying to to like witness and to see and you know he's unfortunately like Billy Porter has gotten kind of got called out for calling him out on it and it's like there's this protection around oh. him that uh, people totally. allow him to do this you know it's interesting because I feel like Context and intention matters, right? Um, and, to an extent. Yeah, to an extent. Obviously, um, there could also be, there's a lot of nuance around it. And even though someone has good intentions, they could do the wrong thing. We all know that. I uh, I think that, you know, we talk about toxic masculinity and like kind of coming out of the box of like what mass, like binary is and like being quote unquote a man. And so I think that we, we get to, if we want to celebrate the people that do th- are living outside the box in a way, in whatever way it doesn't, it, it could be sexually or how they identify, or it could just be how they express themselves. Right. And yeah. then, um, but then call people out if they're doing it in a way that is taking advantage of the community. Well, and these. And things. I think that's the complicated part of this conversation, right? Because it's like, aren't we in destroying the patriarchy and destroying the binary and all these really interesting conversations yeah. we have around gender expression, gender identity and sexual orientation, Aren't we trying to get to a place where someone doesn't have to exist in a certain box or doesn't have to be outwardly about, you know, explaining where they fall? And it's like, yes, we do. But currently, I think we have to acknowledge that that's where we want to get to. But we also have to acknowledge the system that we're currently in and how harmful it is when you trickle down about, guess what? You have a privilege that allows you to cover magazines that are getting praised for you being like the king of pop or being praised for your um, fluidity and wearing a dress on the cover yeah, of how Vogue different you are versus like people who are walking this life every single day and then i think about how it fuels kind of a further narrative that we've seen from um right-leaning like republicans and when they're talking about trans folks and when they're talking about queer folks in the space of oh well you can choose you can choose to wear that dress one day and choose not to wear that dress you can choose to paint your fingernails that one day and choose not to do it the other day and i think that's where the harm kind of comes in and so just this idea of so do you think it's more if you are someone that understands your presence in that conversation it's more acknowledging that privilege and saying like, I like doing this the way I express myself, but I do acknowledge X, Y, and Isn't Z. Isn't that what being an ally or accomplice is? So like think that, that the not, acknowledgement is. Do you think is. that they're, these folks aren't necessarily doing that enough? Or at what point is it like enough is enough? How much more do I need to explain myself? Well, I think the ways that, I mean, that I read in Harry Styles' statement, I don't think Harry Styles 
is fully aware of that. Just from this, when he spoke to Rolling Stone about this topic, it does not seem like he's fully aware of this, right? And especially when you're taking roles where you're being a queer person in these roles and you're talking about intimacy and, and how queer sex doesn't has a lack of intimacy. It's like, dude, Wait, what? That's, that's literally. That's See, that's where it gets literally, weird. Like, literally. I, like, that's where it gets weird. Yeah, it does. And so for me, I think I... Like, how would you know that? What I, are you talking about? And there's such a complicated piece to this whole conversation because I do think what we see in digital culture now, like people do throw out words being like, this person's doing this. And it's like, well, we really actually don't know where this person falls. And yes, there's some validity to that. But then also like, we have to, we have to be mindful of the way that we use our words and like language does matter. And if you can back it up, it's like actual facts and how like it can be impactful and, and, and harmful to communities that are actually marginalized and not existing in this like gray area of being like, oh, I like to be fluid. Yeah. And that, <laughs> like, and, and what does that really I would say mean? Calling these talent out who have a platform, but let's also, uh, Allow them to express themselves? No, let's call media out for how they cover this, right? Like doing headlines or how they're interviewing these people and like celebrating certain people and kind of kissing their behinds when they bring these things up because it's just like, ooh, this is like so progressive and like we're going to, you know, put this person forth in that that light, right? It's up to interviewers to say like, well, what does it mean gender expression to you? Or what does this mean? Or like, do you think well, this might what? be harmful? If, if these uh, publications are, exactly. they don't have the staff totally. or, or, who understand yeah, or who, are writing, totally. the, who are writing these stories or who are telling these stories, like, then we'll never yeah. get to that point. So, we'll literally never get to it. But yeah, queer baiting, Harry Styles, let us know your thoughts at LGT Show on social. We love to get your thoughts and get you involved in the combo. Well, we're continuing some personal combos here. You know, breaking up as hard as it is, as we know. But what about breaking up with your ex's family? Oh, yes. Shira, I can't wait to hear oh, your thoughts. I have thoughts some personal this. experience around that next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Breaking up with someone can be hard, but, you know, it gets harder if you're close with the family. It's like you have two breakups in one. Mm -hmm. And experts are now sharing what could help you with this situation. But first, before I get into that, have you ever had a family breakup during a breakup, Ryan? Um, Actually, no, not really. Just because I feel like the... Folks that I like soft dated, I yeah. never really got close to their family. And then when I did date someone, I met their parents, but their parents were like a lot older. Mm. And so like they were really, really sweet and I, I loved them tons. But like it's not like we were super, super close. Like I yeah. met them before we moved out to Los Angeles and they were like we spent like a few days with them and that was really nice. But it wasn't like to the extent of like get connecting with them and like having that moment. Now I guess through friendships, yeah, when you kind of get close to their families and, like, you get, and you stop being friends with them, like, that has been kind of tough, because I've had friends whose parents, like, have been, like, like, second parents to me. Wow, yeah. And so that can be a little, like, you know, that hurts a little bit, but, um, yeah, for the most part, no. You know, for me, I've been in multiple long-term relationships, Mm -hmm. and I always try to go out of my way to become to be friendly you know friends like on good terms with the parents and I never really fully connected with a lot of my ex's parents like my first college boyfriend I did and that was a bit difficult but it was kind of obvious we weren't we were young we weren't going to be getting married or anything my last though boyfriend Mm. that that was hard you know his mom I like you know wanted a daughter and I became like that daughter she never had 
buying clothes for me, calling up, like, you know, she liked gossiping with me. Yeah. And, and she gets along, she's like one of those girly girls, like, gets along with the girls. And <laughs> she's I, actually really a good time. She's <laughs> so fun. And, and it was really hard, you know, coming out of the relationship, also because we would connect a lot together on, uh, about, we would vent about hey, her son about? we would vent about her own son <laughs> which, is, I mean, so which is hilarious <laughs> she'd be like oh yeah he's such a mess right or like he's so stubborn right and I'd be like yeah and so then coming out of the relationship it's like she wanted to check in and see how I was doing because she was having a hard time too both of us kind of were having like you know well yeah because attachment. your ex had moved across the world that was also we were bonding on the fact that he wasn't there anymore yeah. and so we were kind of both processing and healing yeah. trying to heal together and then of course I started dating someone else and then she found out and then that got weird because she started asking me about my current partner and then she's like you just seem really happy happier than you were with you know who which do you do you think it's weird for your partner to like your oh, new partner? Or oh no, even- it is a, like he, he he knows this, and it's gotten better over time. Time always heals. This is it's become less and less frequent. Yeah. If anything, like I might reach out here and there just to check in on her. Right. Like, um, but she's been. I feel like she's respected the boundaries more recently as time continues, and maybe the relationships gets more serious. Yeah, she starts to realize like this is like this is it. This thing. is life, you yeah. know. And yeah, my my boyfriend was like, uh, "This is weird. Yeah, I don't feel comfortable with this." Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, I think it just really depends on how people view, like, family in general, like, right? Exactly. So here's the thing is that I am dating someone now. It's the first time. I don't know if he's listening. He actually listens to our show a lot. I love that. Hi. Hi. If you're listening. He, uh, it's the first person I've dated that's not close really with his family. Yeah. And that's actually a bit of a challenge for me because. I would be that person in the relationship. Like, I'm close with my family, but, like, not really. Like, my family is not that close. And, like. I'm, I've always wondered, like, this next relationship that I get into, like, how that's going to be or if how someone, te- you know, takes that on. Because I think a lot of times people look at, like, your your relationship with your family or your relationship with your mom as, like, a, a check-off list, yep. a part of their, like, oh, my God, this is the person. And so when you don't when you don't have that check that can be checked off, it's like, oh, God. Because in the end, what I realize is just some people, and we know this, like, just didn't have the family support that was yeah. needed. And, like, they didn't choose that. Yeah. And you can't judge them. This whole thing of, like, yeah, being like, oh, my God, can you believe how they, he talks or they talk to their mom? You and know? you got to teach them. Or their parent. You kind of have to get them reacquainted to what family can look like. Oh, yeah. And that and because that could feel like, why, is the, why are these people bothering you so much? <laughs> This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. 
Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. Hey. 